become um, best friends almost. And so I'm glad and I'm thankful that he is here uh, from La Sierra. He graduated with, a, he told me not to say this, but I want to. I'm proud of him. Um, he graduated from La Sierra with a bachelor's degree in religious studies. Uh, he then went on to Claremont um, to master, uh, to have like, to get a master's in religion and then a master of philosophy from Pomona College. Is that it? Was there one other one? Well, it was something like that. What else? The Claremont College. Anyway, he's highly educated, one of the smartest guys I know, and so now the time is his, and uh, can we give him a warm orange welcome? Different, because I remember we were just best friends right from the beginning, and I don't know if we had to ever have any problems, but uh, I've known Dave since college. Uh, I think it was in 2000, uh, and uh, we've been best friends since then. Uh, we did religion together. We had classes. We took Hebrew Greek stuff together. Uh, he was actually the best man in my uh, wedding, so he's been very special in my life. And he's probably one of the few friends I can call at midnight or two in the morning and just talk. You know, I want to gossip or whatever. Just call him and talk. So he's he's that uh, kind of friend that I really appreciate, and I thank him for that. Um, and I'm also very happy to be here. There aren't many places in life where we can come together and fellowship together and worship God together. And I hope you realize and appreciate that, that the church is such an important thing. Um, you don't find that in the business world or anywhere else. And I'm very happy and excited to be here in your family, in your presence, to worship God together. So I really thank you for having me here today. Uh, today I want to talk to you about uh, two things. And I want to convince you of two things, and I want to uh, have it cement in your heart. And the first thing is, I want you to realize that God uh, is a part of your life, and God is a part of your experience in life. So through your friends, through your family at work, somewhere within that, God is always present to you and always revealing himself to you. The thing is, sometimes when God reveals himself to us, it doesn't make any sense. You know, whether God talks to us through a friend, or work, or something happens in life, sometimes that doesn't make understand, you know, what, what is God trying to tell me? I think it happens to us here um, uh, today. Uh, for the last uh, couple of years, uh, there's been a strong uh, movement uh, among atheists called the New Atheism. Okay, it's called the New Atheism. And they've tried uh, to discredit our belief in God by saying simple things like, God doesn't really exist. You know, we make up God kind of like we make up Santa Claus during Christmas. You know, we've made up God to help us overcome life, to help us with our emotions. We just use God to give us purpose, but God doesn't really exist. Okay, it's been pretty strong for the last three or four years. And a couple of months ago, there was a famous philosopher of science who's also an atheist. His name is Daniel Dennett, and he visited one of the Claremont Colleges, which is one of the schools that I attended, I attended seminary at Claremont School of Theology. So he visited the school, and Claremont is full of students. There are six universities there, so it's a big city filled with just students everywhere. And so this person came there to give a lecture, and certain people were very happy and excited that he was there. But across the street was Claremont School of Theology. And there is, at the school, there is a theologian who, from his graduate work at Yale, studied science and God, trying to overcome atheism, trying to say God is present in science. You have to give that you know, fact. And so the theologian challenged the atheist to a debate. Okay, he challenged him to a debate. 
And everyone was excited. I mean, we were going to watch this debate between a famous theologian and this famous atheist, and we're all going to get into it and see what's happening. So the press was released. Everyone was uh, excited about it. And the day came when the debate started. And uh, the debate began with both of them being very polite. You know, they started admiring each other's work. You know, one would say, I like what you said in that paragraph. I think you were right. And another one would say, you were very smart in that. I like your ideas. So they were very, very courteous in the beginning. And then they started to get into the disagreements, the things that they disagreed with each other. And the atheist started arguing against religion. And he said, many people that are religious just use religion to justify their violence. You know, people use God to say, I'm going to inflict action upon you or in another country, because God said so. Okay, so he was arguing for that. And he also said, people that are religious are also very arrogant. You know, they're very arrogant because they think that they know everything. They don't have to ask any questions. They don't have to explore things. They just think they know everything because the Bible tells them to. So he also said that. And, but he, he also said some positive things about the church. He said that he had never seen... Uh, a place in society like the church that gave so much compassion to the community. He said as a, as a group, he's never seen anything like that, for people to not know someone else but extend love and compassion and mercy upon them. He said he didn't understand that, but that was something that always mesmerized him by, uh, from the church. And finally, as everything was ending, he said, the atheist said, I don't need to believe in God because believing in God doesn't make any difference in my life. Okay, believing in God makes no difference in my life. And he looked straight at the theologian and said, show me, theologian, how believing in God makes any difference in my life. Okay, and then the theologian started telling him different reasons why believing in God makes a difference in your life, how it can change things. And finally, everything was done, they shook hands, and everyone started talking in groups about who had won. And when everything was said and done, one person stood out as the winner of the debate between the atheist and the theologian. And it turns out that the theologian had lost. The theologian had lost a debate against the atheist. And he lost for two reasons. One, he wasn't willing to affirm that we can experience God. At no time in the debate did he say we can experience God and God is a real person that we can experience. He didn't say that. And the second thing is he couldn't say that God reveals himself in mysterious ways. Throughout the whole time, the theologian was trying to argue in the same way that the atheist and scientist was, but at no time did the theologian say God is a person that we experience, that God is real in our life that God sometimes is mysterious, and we can't explain that. He never said that, and so he lost the debate. But when you read Scripture, if you read the book of Genesis, you have God walking and talking with Adam and Eve. Right from the beginning, God is with us, and we're experiencing God walking and talking with him. If you read the New Testament and the Gospels, the Son of God is born within all of us. He comes here spends his life 30 years with us, crying, laughing, and being with us. And if you look at the book of Revelation, you have God coming down again to be with us, to experience life with us. 
So throughout the Bible, we are part of God's experience. God is within our life and in our experience. God speaks to us, and God invites us to be a part of him, to be a part of his experience. Now, I want you to think about something, and I really want you to think about it. When was the last time that God revealed himself to you in a personal way? Think about it. Look back upon your own life and your own experience with your own personality. When was the last time that God revealed himself to you in your own unique and personal way? Because I firmly believe that God does reveal himself to every one of you in your own unique and personal way. Somewhere in your personal life, through your friends, your career, through the decisions that you're making, all of that within there, God is, has been a part of your experience. So God does reveal himself through your experiences in life. Somewhere within that, God has been with you through the whole time. Now, do you want to know God? Then slow down. Slow down. You know, look back upon your life, reflect on it, and see where God has been. It might have been in those places that didn't make any sense, but maybe that was the point. For you to stop and reflect what's going on here. So today my question is, what do we do when God reveals himself to us in our life and it doesn't make any sense? So those times where God reveals himself and we don't know if it's God or something else. What do we do in those moments? And if you have your Bible or your iPad or your Android phone or whatever you might have, uh, turn to the book of Exodus. Okay, We're going to be in chapter 3. And we're just going to read the first 10 verses. Very simple. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It's the story of Moses. Verse 1. Now Moses was attending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There... The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I want you to pause there. There was a bush that was burning, but wasn't really burning. How do you make sense of that? If you were driving in the freeway and we're all onlookers, you know, if something happens in the car, we all, other side, we all slow down. But if there was a car that was burning, just kept flaming, but no, no smoke was coming out, just kept burning, you would think something strange is happening. Very strange. So here Moses is living his life, tending the sheep, and then he sees a bush being consumed not just burning, consumed by fire, but the bush wasn't burning. Let's move on. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to Moses from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. 
Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, Moses, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. As Moses was living his life, just as all of us live our daily life, God appeared. Moses was confronted with a burning bush moment. A burning bush moment. It's those moments in life where God appears to us, but that appearance doesn't make any sense to us. We're off doing our own life during the week, and something suddenly happens, but we can't really understand what God is trying to do. You know, how is a burning bush even possible? How is that possible? You know, if you had a cup of water and you threw it, you would expect the water droplets to fall. But if the water droplets start going up, floating, something is wrong. If you were, for example, at Starbucks, you know, hanging out with your friends or just relaxing for a business meeting, and suddenly you saw a train come through the streets, you're probably watching Inception, you know, the movie, you know. But something that strange happens at the moment, and you're trying to figure out what is going on. So Moses was living his life like we do, and God entered that life through his experience and showed up through a burning bush. Now, there was a study done last year, and I kid you not, there was a study done last year that said Moses, the reason why Moses saw the burning bush was because he was on drugs, okay? And the reason why the, the study said that was because in that region, there are certain seeds that a plant produces that cause hallucinogens, uh, I think they're called hallucinogens or hallucinogens, or hallucinogens, but I don't know what the thing is called, but they, they make you see things, basically. And so the paper tried to say, well, Moses didn't really have an experience with God. He was seeing things, so he must have eaten one of the seeds from the plants. And obviously, not many people paid attention to that, but you see certain things trying to discredit uh, that experience he had. Now, as Moses was tending the sheep, many people tend to think, well, Moses wasn't a smart guy. Yeah, he was probably making this up. He was hanging out with the, the sheep, not doing much, just thinking about life. But that's not completely true. Moses was a very, very intelligent and educated man. Back then, the Egyptians and the Babylonians were the most intelligent people in the world. Most intelligent and the most educated. If I were to ask you, where did philosophy begin? I think the majority of you would say, well, Aristotle was a philosopher. The Greeks started philosophy. But that's not true. That's not true. The Egyptians and the Babylonians started philosophy. Back, they went that deep. The Egyptians and the Babylonians were the first philosophers in society. Okay? Now Moses, as an Egyptian, as someone in the royal court, was educated in mathematics, architecture, science, agriculture, astronomy, military warfare, religion, 
and literature. Very, very educated man. Yet with all this knowledge and with all this intelligence, God appeared to him and Moses couldn't make sense of what was happening. Couldn't make sense of it. But that was the point. Moses had no control over the situation and he was curious about it and walked towards a burning bush. And God began to speak to him. Now think about your life. Think about your own personal life, your experience. Look back upon your life. Have you had those burning bush moments where God reveals himself to you in a strange way and you don't know what to do about it? I think we all have. But how did you respond to that? Did you walk away from that burning bush moment just thinking, this, is, this can't be so, this isn't for me, I'm not worthy of it, it doesn't make any sense, and just walk away? Or did you pause and think, what is God trying to tell me? You know, how is God revealing himself to me? Now, what does God's presence mean right now? You know, sometimes, really, in our lives, God doesn't make sense. God's answers to us doesn't make sense. The way God answers prayers doesn't make sense. God might speak to you through a friend that you dislike. God might speak to you through a stranger you've never met. If you were a nurse and you were hustling and bustling, doing your thing, God might speak to you through one of your patients. Or if you're a doctor, who knows? Or if you're a business owner and you're interested in the bottom line, maybe one of your customers was sent by God to speak to you. Or a teacher that you dislike. Or maybe your boss. God can use everything in your experience to get to you. Moses was out in the wilderness, a very intelligent man, yet God used a bush, a burning bush, to bring him to himself. Now, something happened to me yesterday at work, and I haven't said this to Dave yet, but I thought it was something interesting, and I'm still trying to make sense of it. Uh, I, I work at Merrill Lynch, and whenever we uh, have to open an account, we have to go through compliance, because there's a lot of rules and regulations. So there's a compliance officer that handles all that. And so I was in her office, and we started just chatting, uh, and I, I saw the kids. She has her pictures of her kids, and I asked, you know, how old are your kids? And then she, we started talking. Um, and uh, she, uh, her son's name is Brandon, and I said, my son's name is Landon. You know, she started get really getting personal, uh, maybe in a good way. Uh, and she um, asked me, what are you doing here? Like, how long have you been here at Merrill Lynch? And I said, well, I've been here for, you know, it's my second year. Um, and, and she asked me, what did you do before? And I said, well, I was a pastor, but you don't, you don't really know the church where I used to work with. And she said, well, what church was it? And I said, it was a church in Glendale, Vallejo Drive. It's part of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And she just lost it. She lost it because she was Adventist. And we had worked together all this time, never realizing that we're part of the same church. And then she got really excited that I was a pastor, and we started talking about all these wonderful things. And then she just stopped and changed directions. And she said something to me, which I'm still trying to understand. She said what are you doing here? And I didn't know what she meant. She said, what are you doing here? And I said, what do you mean? What are you doing in this industry? Now, you were a pastor. You have a different value of life. You have different meaning. What are you doing in this industry? It's not going to make any sense to you. 
And I didn't know how to respond to that because I didn't ask her for career advice or anything like that. <laughs> she just told me something that I wasn't in the best place for my values and what I believe about in life. And she was comfortable in telling me that, and I thanked her for that. And, and as I was preparing this message, I was talking about moments where God just reveals himself, and it doesn't make sense. And even now, I'm still trying to think, what happened there? It came out of nowhere through my experience through this person I've been working with for a long time who's Adventist, and then tells me I don't belong there. So even as I preach this sermon, I'm talking about myself and my own experience. It just happened yesterday. And I didn't understand what happened yesterday. I'm still trying to think of it. Moses did not understand the burning bush moment. And that was the reason why he kept inquiring into it and he started seeking God because he didn't understand what was happening. And this is the point I want to tell you. Moses did not understand everything. He didn't understand when God revealed himself. But he understood who God was. And that's the point. There are certain times when the situation might not make any sense. But the point is to continue to seek God who you believe. And God makes sense. The situation might not, but God makes sense. A burning bush doesn't make any sense. But it was the God behind that burning bush that mattered for Moses. It was that person revealing himself through that burning bush. So I want to cement something in your heart that God does reveal himself through the individual experiences of your own personal life. Your experience with God is completely different than the person next to you. And the way that God reveals himself to you is very particular to you. But you have to think about it. Stop and realize, what is God trying to tell me? Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but the point is to continue to seek God, and that's the point. Become more curious. Seek after God. See what God is trying to tell you. And each of us will have those burning bush moments, and we're going to be like Moses. Do we walk away, or do we go towards those moments and we try to figure out what's happening? Did Moses know that he was about to be sent to liberate a whole nation? No, he was doing his own thing, the sheep. God had all these things in store for him, getting him ready, but Moses had no clue. And if Moses had walked away, who knows what would have happened. But Moses accepted that invitation. He wasn't aware of what was happening completely, but he had faith in God. And that was the important thing. And I want to end this message with a story, and I really hope you don't get mad here, but... Uh, other, I've said this story to other people, but I hope you understand the story. I met my wife, uh, Trisha, in college when, with Dave. I met her in 2000. Uh, it was my first uh, semester there in 2000, and I was new to the school. It was the spring quarter, and I was late at buying books. Okay, when you buy books in college, it's terrible because you have to wait in a long line the first day of school. So I was waiting in a long line, and I didn't get the best books, because if you want the best books, here's a secret. Get the books that have the best underlining on it and the best notes to it, okay? But never get books that have everything highlighted, because the person didn't really read the book. So I was standing in line um, getting my books, and I I saw a girl who later became my wife. I saw a girl 
very, very pretty. I mean, very pretty. And I still remember what she she was wearing. Okay, she had a white shirt, blue jeans, and these Roxy Quicksilver shoes. And I even know the design of the shirt. Okay, I'm not a stalker or anything. I was just, you know, I just remember this impression that uh, she gave me. And I was in line, and I really wanted to talk to her. But it was kind of hard because it was so busy, and I was in line, and I didn't know her, and I, I didn't have any good pickup lines. So I um, thought of something, and I didn't know it was going to work. So I flipped the book I had over, and I ripped the price tag off. And when she was walking by, I said, excuse me, can you tell me the price of this book? And she said, the price is in the back. And I said, no, if you look at it, it's not. And she said, oh, that's really strange. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and look, go in the back and tell you the price. And so she did. And I thought, well, at least I got to talk to her. Now I got to think of what am I going to do next when she comes back. And so she came back, and I had nothing to say. I couldn't come up with anything else. I thought that was my wonderful creation. And I said, thank you. Um, and I didn't see her. But I thought, well, I just met her. I'm going to see her in the cafeteria next week, so it's going to be all right. I don't want to blow it. And so I, school started, and I never saw her. I never saw her that week. I never saw her that month. I, I never saw her the rest of the year. And in fact, I never saw her for the next two years. Okay? And so it was 2002. Two years had gone by, and I was doing my own thing. I've never seen her you know, that one moment in 2000. And I was sitting in class. It was one of my senior classes. I was about to get ready to finish college, my last year in college. And she walked down uh, the stairs in one of my classes. And I looked at her, and I thought, I've seen her before. Um, and when she was down there, I looked at her, and I thought, that's the girl I saw a couple years ago. And I, and I started thinking, wow, is she dating anyone? I don't know. Maybe things have changed. I don't know. And through time, I started talking to her, like during a water breaks, going outside, you know, during our breaks, and then I saw her in the library. Um, and then we started studying together. Now, I didn't plan, you know, that part, but we just started studying together naturally. And slowly, she started moving her seat up one to where I was in the back. Okay, so finally, near the end of the semester, she sat next to me in class. And the reason why she had, I had not seen her in two years was because she uh, La Sierra to do nursing at Loma Linda University. But it didn't, she wasn't happy with it, and so she went back to La Sierra to finish her BA during my last year uh, in school with one of my last classes. And we started getting to know each other, and we started dating. But, but, I thought that she was too aggressive. No, I thought that she was too aggressive mainly because she expressed herself more to me than I could express myself to her. She was, it was, she had an easy time telling me that she liked me and she wanted to be with me, but I had a very difficult time giving that same emotion back. And I asked my best friend, give me some advice on what to do. And he said, I don't think you really like her. You, know, you should probably break up with her. And I was like, are you serious? Yeah, I don't think you really like her. Um, 
And so I broke up with her. Blame him right there. <laughs> so I broke up with her. And I, I, it was terrible. I broke up with her on a Friday. I broke up with her on a Friday. And I started thinking about it the whole week. Is this the right thing? And I came to realize I just wasn't able to handle her emotions, not because they were wrong, but because I couldn't understand it. And the easiest way for me to understand it was to break off and be by myself and have enough space for me. But that was the wrong thing to do. Instead of talking to her, going through it, expressing my fears, I backed away and I could have lost something special. But I talked to her on Monday, so it was only a weekend breakup in college. So I talked to her on Monday, and I, I apologized, and I told her, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing, uh, and if we could start again. And she agreed. And, you know, and then we got married, and now we have two kids, and so things turned out very well for us. Um, and the point of the story is, you know, for me, here was this moment that I didn't understand, and I felt uncomfortable because I had never seen something like that before. But instead of being patient and talking through it and going through it and learning more, I broke it off just to make myself feel secure. And in our own lives, even with the Moses story and the burning bush, there are some times that God will reveal himself through our individual experiences, and they're not going to make sense, and we can either walk away from those moments, or we can go towards the burning bush and see what God has in store for us. And the point isn't to focus on the situation. The point is to focus on the God that is working through that situation. The Bible affirms that God is a part of every one of your experience, whether you're in school, your career, growing up, whatever your part of life is, God is somewhere in your life. But the point is to stop and reflect what are those moments that God is revealing himself in and then to continue to seek that. Moses sought God through that burning bush and as a result of that one strange meeting, Moses became the liberator of a nation. And the book of Hebrews describes him as one of the heroes of faith. But Moses didn't know that. Moses was living his life, going through his career like all of us are. But there are those moments when God calls us through our own individual experience, and I invite you to listen to those moments, reflect on them, continue to see God, and who knows what God has in store for you. It might be like something my compliance officer talked to me and gave me a message. I don't know. I'm still trying to work through that. But God is real. God is experienceable. We can do that. and God is a part of us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your love and just the way that you reveal yourself through our experience, God. And sometimes we'll have these burning bush moments when you're trying to tell us something that is unique to us and we can either walk away or we can go towards the burning bush and you're there to speak to us and to guide us. We know for a fact that you are a part of our lives. Scripture affirms that you are a part of our lives. and We just pray for the patience and the guidance for us to help us understand where you're trying to talk to us, God and for the wisdom to continue to follow you. I pray for everyone here at this church. God, it's a wonderful place. The church is a fantastic thing to be a part of. We're instruments of your grace and for your love, and I just pray that we, you might infuse us all with energy because we have so much wonderful things to say to people. 
We're very thankful for your love and for your grace, especially for the Son who died to give us life. We thank you for everything, God. Amen.